I think that time has come for Europe to build its own tech giants. And I think that Swan can be one of these. Frankly, after a couple of months at Swan, that was one of my main questions. Hey, what is the playbook of a B2B European company that we could reuse and apply to ourselves? And it's crazy because it's not that obvious. Can you maybe kind of explain that expansion story now at Swan? We try to keep having this very down-to-earth, like a pragmatic approach to open new countries and to prioritize our roadmap. I think that might be a big one. Yes, actually, maybe I should have started by this because that's, that's actually your number one challenge. Huh? In this episode, we are bringing to you Florent Tardivel, CCO of Swan, an innovation leader in the world of fintechs. Swan offers a banking as a service platform, also known as a BAS. Now, what does this mean? Well, Swan is what they call an e-money license. It's like they are a bank, but instead of being one, they put their license at the use of other companies that, for example, want to embed banking features in their applications. Got it? Anyways, enough fintech for now. In this discussion, Floral takes us in their European expansion. Floral joined about two years ago, right after Swan raised its Series A. And back then, the team had about 15 projects secured, which were actually done by the CEO and chief of staff. There was no actual sales team, nor processes in place. Now, fast forward today, they've just signed their 100 clients and are expanding geographically with offices in three countries, uh, almost four actually, and doing businesses in more than 13. And guess what? They're just getting started. That's why in today's discussion, you'll get how Swan started in France, but expanded beyond it. And as you will see, they purposely embedded an European culture early on. You also get what the advantages are of being local. Because it's not always necessary to be local for doing business. But still, Swan has opened an office in Germany, in Spain, and soon in the Netherlands, afterwards Italy. And so we'll dive in to understand why that is the case. And last but not least, you'll learn about today's condition of the fintech scenes and how it's not too late to disrupt the market together with Swan. And now for my conversation with Florent Darivel. To start, I mean, I'm... Very happy to have you uh, on the show today. Um, I think that you guys, um, I mean, and actually you with your Stripe experience before, but also now as Chief Commercial Officer at Swan, you have like particularly interesting experience when it comes to European expansion. So I'm sure we'll deep dive on that. But before we do so, can you maybe just introduce yourself, you know, who is Florent and why you at it? Can you also explain what Swan does exactly? Yeah, sure. And likewise, a pleasure to be here and thanks for inviting me. So I'm Florent Tardivel. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer here at Swan. I've been, I've joined Swan two years ago, literally two years ago. It was in August 2021. Uh, and I joined them right after the Series A that had been raised by Swan uh, with Axel. Uh, and, and back then, um, as you said, uh, I had a previous experience uh, at Stripe. And broadly speaking, I, I had been working in this uh, fintech industry uh, even broad, more broadly into the startup uh, ecosystem for a dozen of years. Um, uh, and when I was recruited by Swan, I think uh, the, the purpose of my recruitment was, okay, uh, we start to have a, an early product market fit. We managed to sign a handful of clients, but for now, sales have been performed because it was mostly a, like, it's a very product driven company, Swan. Uh, and we were back then 35, 40 people. The bulk of these folks were either product people, tech people, engineers, a bit of compliance, and that was it. 
cells were ensured by the CEO, Nicolas Benadi, and our chief of staff, Lucas Karach, our then chief of staff. Uh, and, and as such, there was a clear need to accelerate in terms of sales and to structure this sales function. So th that was my job. Um, and I think we, we've done a decent job for now. Uh, two years later, we have uh, just signed our 100th customer at Swan. Uh, we have managed, and I think we'll touch on this, but we'll speak about uh, our European expansion. Uh, we've also managed to sign larger customers, and that was one of the main challenges that we had. And the team grew from like CEO and chief of staff and Florent Ardivel up to like we, we now have a team of uh, 20-ish people, uh, uh, half of them being account executive, so focused on new business. We have now six, seven people on account management, some people on revenue operations, and, and that's about it. Okay, well... Congrats on uh, on closing that hundreds customer and on the expansion and everything that you guys do so so interestingly uh, interestingly good. Um, can you maybe explain what Swan does exactly? Because I, I had to study it myself to be honest with you, uh, but I'm sure that you will be very capable of explaining what Swan does for also people that are not coming from the fintech yeah. world. Um, so so the, the the usual word uh, we use to describe Swan is a banking as a service platform, uh, and essentially. We serve companies that are not banks, that do not have a banking license, but that still want to equip their own customers with financial services, financial products. This can be bank accounts, this can be cards, uh, and any kind of payment workflows that you can imagine. Uh, and having said this, like, what are these companies that do not have this license, but that are willing to issue such product? Uh, Actually, there are plenty of this. <laughs> uh, so I think the, the historical customers of banking as a service platforms were startups that were willing, new banks that were willing to just uh, disrupt this uh, market of, of the bank industry, but that didn't yet have the legitimacy or the money or just uh, like uh, they were not big enough to have their own license. So the historical work of banking as a service platform was to serve that kind of companies by lending, uh, yeah, renting the, their own license. Swan, we do have uh, what is called a, a, like a, an EMI license, an e-money license, an e-money issuing a license, uh, and we sort of rent it to our partners, uh, to our customers. I will, I will refer, by the way, to our customers as partners and the end customers, so the customers of our partners are customers or end customers. Good distinction. Anyway, lo long story short, neobanks are the sort of like vanilla customer of a banking as a service platform. And I think that Swan, the company was created four years ago, we had very early on a focus on uh, embedded finance. And it means how can we equip financial softwares, HR SaaS, so that they can provide to their own, like their own customers, these can be companies for in, in this case, to have bank accounts and to facilitate some payment workflow or to issue cards. I give you one or two examples to make this very concrete. There is this company in France called Agicap, which is one of the most successful scale-ups that we have here in France. It's a treasury platform. It's a treasury management software. Until they had Swan, they were just telling people, hey, if you want to optimize your treasury, your cash flows, 
here is what you have to do. And their, their, like the CFO of company using their software still had to connect to their banking interface, uh, sometimes numerous of them, like two, three, four banks for some companies, and to operate all the payment workflow on a different screen than the Agicap software. Now that they have Swan, they offer all these companies to create behind the scene a Swan account, which is, I didn't precise it, but delivered in a white label way. So like we have no purpose to be uh, like, a, of course, we're, we're present in the terms and conditions and so forth, but otherwise we are hidden and it's really Agicap with labeling these uh, Swan accounts as Agicap Pro accounts. And then the like in the click of a button, people can orchestrate the payment workflow with the Swan account being used as a pivot account. And I think that's a, a very concrete example of when we use and hear this word embedded finance, this is what it means. It's a, how do we put financial management where it should be? Why should you still connect to yeah, your old fashioned bank while you can still remain on your software, remain on your HR SaaS software to pay salaries in advance, for instance? Gotcha. That's what is this it, one is Is solving. it as simple as plug and play or is it really or are you guys really an integrator in all of you know the the yeah those features actually that they want to develop so um no i we're not plug and play um we have seen some uh high like uh, all-time records of integration performed sometimes in a matter of like uh, a, do a dozen of days uh we can by the way speak about this a, a little more further but uh we have uh, we propose now faster way to integrate with a uh, we've open sourced some uh, we've open sourced our dashboard and our interfaces so that people can really accelerate in their integration but otherwise i would say that you still have to invest some time we don't do the integration ourselves we are really a, a product world product but we don't offer the integration people have like usually we speak with companies that have their own developers in uh, in house capable of integrating swan uh, and, and I would say that in average, like a, for a small project where like things are quite simple, you would take a, a month to integrate. Uh, and we have like the deepest integration can take up to five, six months. Sometimes, or like often what we observe, uh, and I can say it uh, after two years at Stuan, what we observe is companies that actually never end their integration, but because they keep adding new features uh, on top of what has already been built. Okay, interesting. And what can you say about the, um, let, let's say, just the sales context, the sales environment within Swan? Because you already mentioned kind of the team structure, but what is it like? What are the priority channels? Is it inbound, outbound? What are go-to-market motions? What's you know the sales cycle like? Uh, who do you sell to like, or work with, I should say? Okay, there's so, are. Uh, I think at least six questions in your question. <laughs> <laughs> and anything you think is relevant for this discussion, let's yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so um, maybe just to, 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 to start answering this question, uh, uh, we have actually just announced our Series B. We have just raised a, a quite nice 37 million euro uh, funding round. All right, it's our Series B. So we're, we're quite proud of it. And, and I think that, that will help us uh, accelerate on some things that we have observed on our go-to-market strategy. Uh, I think historically, one thing that I have said is uh, let, let's uh, let's try to be the business angel of uh, European fintech. Um, 
and and I quite like this approach of being labeled as a business angel because you sort of accept the risk of serving these startups. Uh, you you accept that with some of these companies you might not even have a break even because that's your business model. Uh, but you also know that if you manage to sign a hundred companies throughout Europe, a hundred startup fintech, one of them will become a unicorn, hopefully two or three. Uh, 15 of them will do very decently and granted some of them will not survive because that's the life of startup and you just have to accept it but overall that's not a bad business model to equip all these startups um, and, and I think it, it's still true and we have this capability to serve at scale quite rapidly uh, maybe in terms of sales process integration like uh, capacity to onboard them also from a compliance perspective uh, so again to, to, to be discussed a, a bit later because we have a quite a unique positioning there. But uh, long story short, we have this capability to serve quickly, not in a self-serve mode, but in a semi-self-serve mode, all these startups. Uh, and, and it's good for everybody. Uh, it's good for us because we are happy to onboard them without spending like uh, months of integration or of work with them. And they are happy because they, they would not pay the usual very expensive fees that you can pay with other players on the market when you just want to issue cards. Um, having said this, I think we slowly evolve and that's one of the purpose of this, of this Series B. We evolve because we also observe that um, uh, we it's a market where you also need to start equipping uh, larger companies. Uh, our product works very well when, if I take back the example of Agicap, or I can use another example, that of uh, Penny Lane, for, in for instance, which is one of our major customers. Um, Penny Lane, the product works very well, the Swan product very well, works very well because they already have a customer base. They have this sort of distribution platform, and it's now only a matter of pushing additional products. That's essentially what we do. They push additional products Penilane is an accounting software that take care of all the accounting of these companies. And then they tell you, hey, do you want to use this Swan Pro account or this Penilane Penny Pro account to pay your invoices or to receive and accept payments? Uh, and, and it works well because there is an adoption that we observe. Uh, and, but it works, I think, fairly well with companies that already have this customer base installed. And that's really one of our purpose. How can we serve larger companies because we see, we see that the, the product is even more successful if we start, if we start equipping companies that are a, a, bit, uh, a bit further in their journey uh, with, a, once again, a, an installed customer base. Yeah, how can we help established companies be an innovative player in the market? Exactly, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, there is this goal of becoming a, a bit more enterprise-driven, uh, serving larger companies. We've started to do it. Uh, we we have signed a contract with uh, Carrefour and we have provided them a, a cashback program. Uh, it's quite fascinating, that kind of examples, because uh, you realize that these enterprise companies, they are actually looking for the same things as smaller companies might be looking for. It's a, a fast go-to-market, fast integration. We, we managed to make this work in a matter of three months, work and that's that's the kind of example that I like to highlight because it's a uh, it's not because you're an enterprise that you are not looking for agility uh, and and then we have to keep reassuring them with a 
our like stability may it be financial or tech wise uh, and i think it, it yeah so far uh, as of now it's interesting it's still early in the journey but <laughs> i think we're like we, we we have built good foundations to to keep growing okay okay so what i get here is that you guys are kind of going also a little bit up market where you initially started with helping the startups uh in the fintech world now also moving to more established player to eventually and carrefour is then one example already yeah uh, going more enterprise and and that's probably kind of a yeah ongoing thing where you are trying to serve then the entire market segment or would you like eventually to go more uh more specific would you like to go only on enterprise in the long term or would no, you like no, to definitely be able like to serve? We, 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 we will never betray ourselves. I think we still have this uh, role to play and uh, and we have this very good product and, and we also have like, in my sales team, I have people who are dedicated to startups and it will okay. always be the case at Swan. Uh, uh, and yeah, there is the general rule and then you always have outliers uh, among our top 10 customers. We do have some companies that started very small and that they are nailing it. Um, I can think yeah. of a company, a fuel card company called Piana, for instance, or a, a, a Portuguese new bank called Rova. Uh, they are both really doing well. Uh, and yeah, uh, they started as small companies. So let's, let's go. Let's Love it. Let's keep powering this new wave of fintech. Hi, guys. Once per quarter, we are hosting the We Are Sales Virtual Summit, a two to three hours long free virtual event during which we'll deep dive on a specific theme. See this as an online training where we'll invite front runners to showcase their cutting edge practices that have been field tested and have proven to be effective. So the next one will be about how to leverage AI in sales, which will take place on November 9th, 2023. Again, the event is entirely free and you can simply register via our website. All right, let's go back. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Now, Florent, what I would love to discuss with you is also the uh, market expansion that uh, you guys experienced at Swan, but that you also kind of experienced at Stripe. Um, because, I mean, there you were, um, let's say, more in the executor role where you started, I guess, as kind of an AE, but then also head of sales for the French markets. And now at Swan, you, yeah, you, as you said earlier, like you entered the company, make sure that we have like a, a commercial structure and, and, and processes in place to actually also make there the, the scale, but also the market expansion happen. So I think you have, you know, that execution experience and that leadership experience, which is super, super uh, interesting and relevant at the same time. So maybe, um, can you maybe kind of explain that expansion story now at Swan? Like what's, what has happened? Start wherever you want to start. And obviously I will, I will bombard you with some questions I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Um, maybe just one word to 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 start answering this question. Um, uh, I think like a, the the main reason why I joined Swan uh, after six years at Stripe, which is a company uh, that I still cherish and I I loved my years there. But one of the main reason, if not the main reason, is that I think that time has come for Europe to build its own tech giants, uh, and 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 I think that Swan can be one of these, uh, and I think it's uh, like a it's a really a call for people. Like whenever I interview people, I say this sentence, and you cannot imagine how people know at this sentence, especially European folks, maybe Italian, Dutch people, German folks. Anyway, 
they are all like, yes, we have to do it. <laughs> because everybody is a bit afraid of uh, working or like living in a world that is fully dominated by US tech companies or yeah, Chinese, yeah. Chinese firms. Anyway, uh, I, I hope that we'll, we'll, we'll do it well at Swan. Um, I think we're also very lucky because we operate on a market uh, where things have been very, very harmonized by Europe, by the Europe European Union, to be more precise. And like, uh, um, yeah, I think we can all criticize Europe for things that are not done well. But if there is one thing that has been done well, it's this uh, unification of this uh, the payment uh, landscape. Uh, just to take a step back, um, the regulation, our EMI license is passportable across 30 countries in Europe, which means 30 that countries, 30 countries, okay. which means that you have your license in France. It takes like a few months to be able to serve any country in the European economic area, 30 countries overnight or, or if not overnight, like, let's say it's a matter of uh, one or two quarters to be able to do this from a pure regulation perspective. That's huge. And it didn't exist 15 years ago or even and what 10 does years that ago. mean exactly? Does that mean that you can provide all those banking kind of features in the 30 different countries? Yeah, it means that uh, you, you have the capability to, uh, like, so it will be said in uh, regulatory terms, but you have the capability to issue payment methods you have the capability to initiate payment transfer on behalf of end customers, that kind of stuff. And we have this e-money license that allows us to do what we do today. Um, and and that's that's really big. And <laughs> by, the, by the way, if you, if you pay attention, if you look at all the, like, all the successful fintech uh, in Europe, they all rely they, they were all built thanks to PSD1, PSD2, so Payment Service Directive mm. number one or number two. Uh, you can take examples. Uh, in France, you have this company called Litchi, uh, which then became MangoPay, or like a, there, is a, there is a second company called MangoPay. It was crea created thanks to, to uh, the CMI license. Uh, like, and there are so many examples. SlimPay in France, all the open banking firms that you can think of, they would not exist if we didn't have this regulation framework in place. So that's that's big, that's huge. And, and all, all this was created for one thing. Uh, essentially, this regulation was made to say, hey, we must innovate in the banking industry. Uh, and if we only count on existing incumbents, so the large traditional bank to innovate, it might take a bit more time than what it would take if we had a, a bunch mm. of startups getting started. A and this regulation, so it was, how can we facilitate the entry access to new players? And maybe let's start to think, to, to break down the different, uh, the different um, jobs performed by a traditional bank and let some companies do the issuing of cards. Let some others do the, uh, some bank transfers. Let some others do remittance and so forth. Uh, with lower entry barrier, not the same amount of funds that you would have to deposit and, and to collect to just be able to play and get started. It's a, it's like poker, like a, you can enter the casino. <laughs> well, like a, my, my compliance team would not be happy uh, that I speak about, <laughs> uh, that I use a gambling example to the straightest, but it, that, that, that's really what it's about. It's a, how can you facilitate the access to this market uh, by lowering the entry barrier? 
and that's what the, Europe, uh, the, the European Union did with these, these regulations. Uh, by the way, there is a, a PSD3 that is arriving seemingly less, uh, next year. We'll see. Making it not um, even more easier to, uh, to enter yes. the market. Or, or Lovely. Opening, or opening, if I were an entrepreneur today, I would definitely and passionate about fintech, uh, this industry. I would carefully read uh, the PSD3 drafts because there will be some business opportunities there. <laughs> That's a good advice. Um, but so explain, because um, I think Swan started in France, but then you still decided to, you know, enter in a new market such as Berlin, now also recently in Spain. Congrats for that, by the way. Uh, but still you are, with the e-money license, able to, you know, serve like 30 different countries. So how does that work exactly? Why do you have to have like a affiliate in a certain market? What's the biggest advantage difference with that? Uh, that's a super good question. Huh? Um, so the way you operate is uh, we start to sell from France. Uh, when I joined, I said we had 15 customers. I think we had uh, one customer in your country, in Belgium, uh, and another one in Germany, and all the, all the others were, were in France. Um, I think Germany, very quickly, because it's uh, like uh, with France, these are the two biggest markets in Europe, it, it naturally became our number one priority to expand. Um, and, and, and so you, you start thinking, hey, let's find some references to sign there. But to, to some extent, uh, opening Germany was a no-brainer for us. So we didn't think too much about like, uh, when should we start hiring? Like, it, let's do it, post-series A, it was a given. Uh, then why did we decide to have someone on the ground? Just because, like, uh, uh, I think uh, six months after David joined us, uh, the pipeline was multiplied by five. So just having uh, the, the like the amount of deals that we would be working on, having someone on the ground. He's based in Berlin, and now the team is composed of five, six people. Having someone on the ground who is networking with the entire ecosystem, uh, who attends the event, who is able to meet prospects in person, it's just game changer. Who also comes with his own network, obviously, um, that, that facilitates the work. Then there is also a, a legal reason behind, because um, uh, in our expansion uh, playbook, uh, we systematically open or uh, build the capability to have local accounts, local IBANs. Uh, so IBANs, you know, it starts with your two-country letter in Europe. In France, it's FR followed by a number of digits. Uh, and because we have a, a very B2B orientation, uh, we, like the end customers are for the bulk of them companies, so B2B uh, players. Uh, these people, these companies do expect to have local IBANs. If you, like, taking back the example of Penny Lane, if you are... Uh, like a yeah, uh, a German bakery, and you want to be paid by customers, uh, you will ask them to pay on a German account. People would not understand to pay you on a French account. So that's a must. It was not necessarily the case if you take uh, companies like Revolut, for instance, in the B two C, in the B two C space. That's a bit less true. What I just said, Revolut for long they operated with Lithuanian IBANs and they managed to very nicely expand just having this local, uh, this Lithuanian IBANs. I think it's slowly changing. But anyway, anyway, long story short, I think whenever we enter a new country, there is a phase where we look for the first two, three references 
we start to hire someone and meanwhile we start to work on the localization of the accounts and we did it successfully in germany we did the same in spain uh, we are actually uh, currently we have a we've hired uh, four five months ago uh, marnix uh, who is uh, 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 leading the, the charge in netherlands uh, from amsterdam and i think in two months we should be able to announce uh, the dutch ibans and we'll keep executing like this uh, uh, italy should be next on the uh, on the map awesome okay that's that's interesting so the goal first one is really to go and uh, and have an office in the local or at least a team operating in the local market getting those IBANs, for example, as this is part of the, the expansion playbook. Um, but still, you are able to now serve customers that are not, where you guys are, are not having a local presence, right? So how does, is, is there a big disadvantage of, or what is what are the limitations when it comes to that? So uh, the first thing, uh, we, we do serve customers in 13 countries, one, three. Uh, so we have, I think we cover the three Baltics country, we have some, like I told you, uh, Belgium, Luxembourg, Portugal, uh, Ita like a, so it's a, it's a quite decent coverage. Um, uh, so I think, unfortunately, for some smaller countries, sometimes they just don't have the choice. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry for them, but like uh, it's just that there is no bass player able to accompany them on such a, a local small market. Um, and I hope that we'll be able one day to serve any of them uh, very locally with this hyper-localization. Uh, then I would say a second second thing, for all use cases that we do cover, there is not a need to have local IBANs. I give you a concrete example, uh, expense management. Uh, for expense management, it's actually more about providing cards to your employees, to, um, to employees of the companies that you serve. And granted, at some point, you need people to put money on a bank account, but it's fine if like if you're operating in Belgium and you offer French accounts, it's fine. Uh, and, and it's like a, it's not the daily user experience that uh, end customers will be facing. So that's not that worrying. Um, and then uh, third, sometimes it's just yeah they, they deal with it. Uh, uh, in the best case, uh, they accept to wait for us to be ready to launch uh, for for the Spanish market. For instance, the first customers were the first partners were signed with French IBANs, and they migrated to Spanish IBANs once we were ready. Uh, and that Fair might that might just be fine for some mm -hmm. yeah, for some of them. Yeah, and at least that also may be very interesting for Swan actually, because if you have like a lot of companies coming from a market that's already showing interest in Swan, even though there are those limitations then that maybe could be an indication for one to really enter proactively that market, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and we try to keep having this very um, down-to-earth, like a pragmatic approach uh, to open new countries and to prioritize our roadmap. I was, I was going to ask you that. What, indeed, why did you start with Berlin? Why wasn't the next one Spain? Was there a specific reason why following that order? Yeah, like if you take a... So th there are many aspects that you can take into account, but if you, there is a, like a, how vibrant is the tech ecosystem? Uh, what is the GDP? Uh, where do we see like a, besides the, the tech ecosystem, uh, more, more precisely, FinTech scene? Um, we also had one investor, a German investor, so that helped having a, a bit of network. 
it just made total sense for uh, you also take a look obviously at the competition where is the competition this is a, this is a double-edged argument uh, by the way because uh, where there is competition you you might believe that there is a like a allegedly there will be some customers but where there is competition it will be harder to penetrate but uh yeah we could see that german was a was a big market i think like once again back to to like europe and expansion how to prioritize this uh, if you're a French company, I think, yeah, the German, in the tech industry, in the fintech industry, German and Spanish market are really the two obvious ones. Uh, uh, Italian is, Italy is uh, unfortunately a bit behind in terms of uh, maturity. Uh, Netherlands is very strong, but much smaller. So that's a bit like, uh, and, and then like there is a big question, what's next? Uh, do you start to, like, do you start to serve Portugal? Do you start to serve Belgium? Do you start to serve other countries? Maybe the Nordics, uh, but they come with different currencies because uh, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark don't have uh, the euro. So the, like the, that's why you start to reach the limits of the exercise. Yeah, yeah right. Because uh, I was also wondering, like, what I mean, I, it's probably a balance, and it, there's no right or wrong answer to that. But what would you say is more important? Is it the business opportunity of a market? or the ease of entering it? Like I can see that both have like a, a factor on it, but what would you say is more impactful? Once again, like um, back to my point about uh, payment being maybe the, the best playing field to expand Europe uh, at a European scale. I mentioned regulation, but that's not the only thing. SEPA, which is this uh, unified way to transfer money through the European zone, uh, it's applicable to 30 countries. You get like even in countries where the Euro uh, Poland, you can do a transfer uh, using the SEPA rails to a Polish bank account. Uh, and it will be a, a Euro transfer, obviously not a, a Zloty transfer, but it's still you can still do it. So regulation, SEPA rails, Eurozone, it's 90 countries, soon 20 because Croatia is, uh, is joining the club. Um, and then cards that you can issue. Uh, we issue MasterCard cards. And likewise, uh, a card that you issue with MasterCard can be used in any country in Europe. So uh, as such, like back to your point about like uh, how easy is it to enter, we are lucky enough to be working on a market where it's actually fairly easy to enter a, a new market. It's not the same like I was thinking the other day and discussing with a company that is uh, operating in the HR space and when you, when you have to learn the local workloads, labor laws and understand them, like uh, it's much more complex to operate this and, and you don't have the same level of scalability. While for us, I think once again, I don't want to make this appear too simple, but once we have these local accounts, local IBANs, sometimes granted you have like, a, you, also, you obviously have to localize the, the language. It's not that complicated. You obviously have to localize a bit the KYC procedure and so forth, but it's not overcomplicated. So that's interesting. I, I would have thought that indeed fintech would be much more complicated than HR. It, yeah, and so maybe it's not, and maybe it's 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 not true for all startups. Um, I think for acquire like payment acquisition, for instance, I think it's much more complex because cards will work uh, to accept payments. Card will work in France, Spain. Super good. Uh, if you go to Netherlands, uh, I think 75% of the payments are being done with IDEAL, which is a local payment scheme. And if you don't offer IDEAL as a payment method, 
there is no way you sign a customer in in, in Netherlands. Uh, same, I, I think you're, you're Belgium. You must be a, a heavy user of a bank contact, uh, which is Absolutely. A, a local scheme that you have to integrate. And so I think for payment acquiring, at, which is a business that I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it, it was a bit more of a challenge and less scalable than what we have today and the, the business we operate in. Gotcha. Um, what can you say about, um, because I know with EduCap, which is more cash flow management scale up, if I'm not mistaken, you also worked with Carrefour, which is a retailer, like completely different industries. Was it also like a strategic choice of you guys to say we will go very broad, very horizontal, or have you actually chosen specific verticals that you focus on? Um, it's uh, I, lo I love how some companies manage to story tell this, uh, uh, but uh, uh, after everything has been done, uh, the truth is that I think for <laughs> for the first year uh, we, we are just accepting anything, like at least and. So the first year, the first uh, two years of commercialization, the one year when I, when I was not uh, working at Swan, and then my first year at Swan, uh, just because you, like you you're not you're not strong enough, you're you're not rich enough, you you're not <laughs> installed enough to say, huh? Oh, you cannot necessarily yeah. afford you, you to. need you need projects, and you don't yeah. know actually what yeah. what and, the market wants. I mean, which you know market wants? You, 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 you will build your product based on all the feedbacks that you keep collecting every week, every days, every day, and that, that's it. Um, could you now, though? Could you now, after like yeah. signed the hundred clients, say yeah. there are yeah. some verticals? Uh, uh, actually, uh, we started 2023 telling ourselves, okay, let's focus on five verticals. We call them target segments. Interesting. Uh, and we have listed like. For all these targets, for each of these target segments, we listed the companies that we wanted to to, to contact. We build some specific material, uh, so the marketing team is helping tremendously there, uh, and we have a much more intentional focus on these target segments where we know that they will perform. Uh, I, I will not necessarily disclose everything because uh, this can be a bit strategic. But, like for instance, uh, financial software that I mentioned was one of them. Uh, we know that mm -hmm. we have. A, a very good product market fit. We have nice references, um, and and it will be easier to to then scale. Uh, for instance, uh, we just signed a company called Yuki in the in Netherlands, and it's uh, the equivalent of Penny Lane that we already have as a customer in France. I know Yuki. And, yeah, yeah. So. You know, and and we would not, I don't think we would have signed Yuki if we didn't have that expertise on on financial management, and it's a mix of expertise. References, that, that, that just helps quite a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so indeed, now that we have more, and that was one of your early questions that I didn't answer, but uh, we use also to have uh, uh, quite a lot of inbound. We are quite lucky, but the team has grown, and the number of inbound that we receive also grew, but less rapidly. So, at some point, if you want to feed your account executive team, your sales team, uh, you have to change uh, your your way of uh, of selling. Uh, or at least at this stage of creating pipeline, and I think now we we like we're close to seventy five percent of our pipeline created through outbound, uh, and which is much more in line with uh, I think the industry standard for what we sell, uh, the average size uh, of uh, of deals that we size. That is That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I, I read somewhere, uh, I think it was on the website of Swan, that you identified three main pillars for localizations. 
Um, and so I would like to hear from you, like, what are those three main pillars and how does this, you know, is part of the expansion playbook? Um, we say three pillars. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I can, I can tell you, uh, it's, it's language, country specific banking features and an adaptable regulatory framework. Yeah. Um, I think we like, we sort of covered the two, the two latest, um, because uh, yeah, uh, but on the first one, I think the most interesting part uh, is once again we're white label uh, banking as a service product, so we tend to uh, not be in direct contact with customers, with end customers. But it might be the case, uh, like for certain questions, uh, and as such, we have realized that we we had to adapt this. I think this language component is mostly related to just being able to interact. Uh, very um, fluidly with both your partners and customers. Uh, here we can see it, like in Spain. Uh, I have. I wouldn't want to do this uh, this podcast in Spanish because my Spanish is not good enough. But I was forced to do like because I'm based in Spain. And by the way, I didn't precise this, uh, precise precise it. I'm based in Barcelona, and and you actually start to meet some prospects who don't speak English. As such, you have to make the effort of localizing yourself. Uh, I found myself making demo in Spanish uh, because uh, I had no team there in Spain. Luckily, we hired some people, uh, luckily for our customers and partners, we hired, <laughs> not me. Uh, we, we hired some people able to, to speak Spanish and that's indeed a, just a, yeah, a step towards a, be, having a closer product, product market fit. I would say that makes sense. Hi guys, I quickly want to let you know that we are doubling down on this podcast and by so doing, we are looking for the better revenue stories out there. So if you like what you hear, please give it a like or a follow. It is a simple click on a button, but that click would mean the world to us. All right, let's go back. Um, but how do you then, I mean, especially regarding like the expansion playbook, because you also mentioned it earlier. Is that something that you kind of created on the go while making some mistakes here and there, or were you able to find, you know, experience elsewhere and really take their learnings and implement it immediately at, immediately at one? Sure. I return the question, Dylan. What would be for you the best, the iconic example of a European B2B company that managed to expand throughout Europe? Uh, in, in your specific context or in general? No, in general. I don't know, if it, if it would be me, I would, I think, study competitors or other players in a similar context as me and yeah, study what they do. Maybe also interview some people that are not direct competitors. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I return the question, like, <laughs> not to, um, but because that, like, frankly, after a, a couple of months at Swan, that was one of my main questions. Hey, what is the playbook of a B2B European company that we could reuse and apply to ourselves? And it's crazy because I think uh, we have a, a number of examples of American companies who land in Europe and manage to successfully expand throughout Europe. But frankly, like European companies, it's not that obvious. Uh, there are not that many examples. They tend to, like uh, a lot of these companies tend to say, hey, I'm talent software, French uh, top, top SaaS company, let's expand to the US. But they would not necessarily spend hours or like uh, months expanding throughout Europe. Uh, so uh, as such, I, I, 
I believe that we we sort of did it uh, did it ourselves. Um, <laughs> and, and, wow. and then now that we have uh, yeah, we have then our internal playbook that we keep repeating uh, when we when we open new countries. Um, I had something else in mind, but I, I forgot on this topic. Okay, if no I worries. if it comes, yeah, if it comes to mind, I'll hesitate to bring it back. Um, what about the uh, the recruiting of new team members? Oh, <laughs> I think that might be a big one. Yes, <laughs> actually, maybe I should have started by this because that's that's actually your number one challenge. Huh? Um, uh, why? Yeah, no, why? Like because obviously, <laughs> because obviously, it's only a people topic. Uh, it's it's only like, do you hire the right people? Uh, do you do you hire people who will embody your company, your brand? Uh, do you hire people? Like, I I think we with Nicola Benadi, uh, our CEO, uh, we we gathered when I joined Swan, or it was even be, uh, like during my interview process, and, and we realized that we we were very aligned uh, on the nature of salespeople we wanted to hire uh, and and we were very aligned because we do sell like I think first they need we we are looking for people who uh, can abstract complexity who are curious who like a, we sell a pretty complex product where you will have to dive into the API documentation API documentation you also have to understand the regulation so you have to find that kind of people not easy uh that that should also be good salespeople <laughs> uh and and besides uh, um it was really core to swan's um uh yeah f it was foundational uh, at swan nicola didn't want us to sell in a very salesy way he didn't want the sales process to be binding he hates that kind of company where you have to sign to commit for three years where even though you're a startup, you have to pay minimum fees for 12 months, 24 months, whatever. And so I think we, like, a, I was very aligned with this. We, we we wanted to have this approach and to hire people who, who were aligned with this. Uh, so you define your framework like this. That's, uh, why, that's why you also said we have partners and don't clients. And if I talk about customers, it's the customers of our partners. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like think that's that. like the semantic speaks for itself, indeed. Um, and... And then finding the right people, I think the the most challenging part when you hire people uh, on a, on a remote office is uh, how much support can you give them? Uh, how do you make sure that even though you work from a different office, at least we don't have different time zones. Uh, when I was working for Stripe, we had nine hour difference, so that was another story. Oh gosh! Uh, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We were staying until like uh, 8 p.m. at the office or even, uh, anyway, this is a past story. Uh, but but yeah, like uh, you have to make sure that you support people. Uh, you have to make them feel comfortable traveling uh, and coming at the, at the Paris office. It's, it's actually not a, that much. It should not be a matter of money of paying them a hotel for three weeks in a row. Like frankly, it's a no-brainer. Like people should come and should feel close to the company, should be fully onboarded from a culture perspective, uh, for, like both from a sales product and so forth, but also from a culture perspective, because then you are just throwing someone alone in his country to start with at least, and this person, yeah, must must uh, embody, yeah. embody your firm. That's, that's not a given. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, 
it has to be someone a little bit entre entrepreneurial that knows how to sell. I mean, how to get like a deal, a partnership around. He needs to be, I mean, he or she needs to be very into the product, into the technology, into the, yeah. Yeah, everything. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and what I think is also maybe even more challenging, or maybe you have tips, advices around that, and I'm very curious, but suppose, you know, I'm from Belgium and I want to start, find those talents in Spain, but I'm not from Spain. I might have some clients in Spain. I might do some business in Spain, but like, I'm not from there. I don't know anyone. So how do you even get started in finding any talent? Uh, luck is a component there. Uh, <laughs> I see. No, no. So, 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 yeah. I I make a joke, but um, so I first thing, um, your company should be able to accept these new people, uh, these uh, foreign people. Uh, that's one thing that we did well at Swan when I joined. Like I, I was looking for a European company. I was not looking for a French company. And from day one, the website of Swan was in English. Uh, we only translated the website in French. I think six months ago. Uh, which is quite rare. And you have many French companies who say, hey, I, I'm a European, but actually they're not because they, like everybody speaks French, everything is in French. At Swan, Slack is fully in English. And and once again, before I joined, we had managed to hire like a, maybe, not, not that many people, it was maybe a five, six people. So 15% of the company were people who are not French, but at least you start to create this culture of inclusion where you say, hey, it's 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 more easy to to integrate at Swan and to adapt yourself to the culture of the company. So I, I think this part uh, would be would be absolutely necessary. And then once you have managed to include these first people, these first hire, uh, and to also include people from other offices, quite a challenge. Um, I think uh, you should always have a plan to uh, every six to 12 months grow the office because it's completely depressing if you are one person serving Swan locally and you don't see like the end of the lonely funnel. Uh, we are today, I told you, uh, five people here in the Barcelona office. Uh, we have someone else arriving in four months now or three months. Uh, so like it keeps growing like this and it's very healthy because uh, like you start yeah, you have a, a minimum number of people to start having interaction and it's not only one person focused on his computer or two people who like keep bonding together or not in the worst case. Uh, right. So yeah, I, I think it's quite important to, when you open a country, uh, uh, systematically think of how you, you will make sure that this office, this local office will keep growing. And, and, and to illustrate this, for instance, I told you about our outbound, our gro increasingly growing uh, outbound strategy, uh, and we we have now decided to hire local SDR as a way to support account executive, and that's a great way to make sure that we grow, like we both grow the office while being uh, more more impactful and and more efficient from a sales perspective. Yeah, that's good. Also good for the collaboration, I would say, between uh, sales developers. Uh, it's uh, needed. Yeah, and, and, and also uh, remember from the, the preparation uh, that you, as part of you know the, the, the leadership team, you actually started 
I think that yeah. was kind of a, a demand of yours from Barcelona. Yeah. While the rest of the team was in France, and I think you had like a an interesting remark about that. Can you share? Yeah, yeah. It? <laughs> so, uh, I, I, so between Swan and Stripe, uh, I I decided with my family to move to Barcelona, uh, and and I worked for a few months for another company, uh, and indeed when I started to interview for Swan, I, I told first interview I, I said, hey guys, I'm super keen to start discussing with you and the job looks fantastic company as well yet <laughs> we <laughs> i have three kids uh and and like you have found a school you have found an apartment you have all your papers like everything is done plus barcelona is a great city to live in uh you have friends as well which is cool uh so so i, I was like hey i'm i'm happy to make back and forth to to paris uh every three weeks every four weeks but Ideally, I would stay in Barcelona. And it was accepted. A and I think, interestingly, what was maybe at first a constraint that I imposed the company then became quite a force for the company, qu quite a strength. Uh, and why? It's because uh, we started to see, like, uh, I forced them sometimes to make decisions uh, uh, in a written mode. Uh, I I started, I have a strong written culture, also comes from Stripe, I guess. Uh, But everything, like uh, you do a meeting, you write notes, you share them, uh, stop the orality. And, and because I, I was like this sea level outside of uh, the headquarter and I just needed to be kept informed. Uh, and I think that definitely played a role uh, in the, like uh, uh, this helped the company becoming a bit more remote friendly uh, with me then when we onboarded our head of DART David it was also I think easier because we had some routines in place uh, and then I think also, it also facilitated here we have hired uh, Julia who is leading uh, uh, our uh, our Spanish team uh, and and I think uh, yeah uh, being there helping her uh, in the very first months now she's fully independent she no longer needs me but it was definitely uh, a good thing for me to be there um, yeah, no, I can, I can imagine, and I, th I think that's that's uh, an interesting thing, which I don't think a lot of people would think of automatically, of maybe already spreading the team because because of that. Yeah. Two years ago, you guys were kind of already European. I mean, you had yeah. people in France, you had people in Spain, yeah, and then yeah, you start doing business also in Berlin. So very yeah. quickly, you could call yeah. yourself European. Uh, and I signed the first Spanish customers. Uh, it wasn't. Again, I was not meant to sign Spanish customers, but hey, Flo, you're. You're in Spain, you're in Barcelona, there is this event, like uh, we spotted an event in Madrid uh, with all the tech scenery. It made total sense for me to be there. Interesting. I I, I, and you meet, like, uh, frankly, it's it's so helpful. And, and you start, you also start to create your own network. Like, once again, I think it's much better if you have local people who speak fully the language, who have the right connections, who, like uh, everything is facilitated. And that's the purpose of hiring local people. Uh, but that, that helps. Yeah, eventually, yeah. indeed. No, for sure. Um, we are unfortunately almost reaching the end of oh. uh, of the interview, Florent. I feel like there's still so much to unpack. But so I will still ask you one, maybe very important question. Like, I'm sure that along the way, you guys have done like uh, a couple of maybe stupid stuff, if I can say it like that, like a little bit of pains in the experience of expanding. And are there some that, you know, come up top of mind like that? Um. I think I, I already mentioned this, uh, like pi the pipeline creation stuff might well be the, it's top of mind for me right now. 
Uh, Say again. Yeah. What was the like a p- pipeline creation and like a you, you like when you're lucky enough to have to start having inbound, you sort of say, "Hey, it will last forever." It doesn't. <laughs> so you have to like uh, I also have this bias towards uh, close closing, and uh, I'm more appealed by uh, by closing deals that you have in your pipeline. But I think uh, yeah, having having some time fully dedicated to doing outbound. As an FYI, we have started with something which started as an experiment is and is now becoming a weekly routine. On Tuesday, we have this pipeline creation day. Every Tuesday, everybody in the team, from like sales managers, including myself, to SDRs, uh, and of course AEs, no meeting in the day. You, you shall not accept meetings in the day, and you only have to do outbound. And we start the day with hey, this is the target segment that we'll focus on. This is the category of companies we'll focus on. And we will work on this. Uh, and for the full day, you outbound to the to this, this list of companies. And I think it, it took us a bit of time to realize that we had a gap in the sales machine in terms of pipeline creation. Uh, you keep thinking that by telling account executives every week that they have to, fo- to dedicate some time to outbound, they will. They don't. <laughs> uh, because outbound is tough and because you don't want to do it and instead it replacing it by this focus day to create pipeline and where everybody is rolling up their sleeves and doing it yeah it's 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 quite powerful that's good that's a good learning actually don't take yeah. pipeline for granted oh, go no. after it <laughs> and, uh, no. and now you kind of implement those those days I, I, yeah. I like it yeah Thanks and, for and, and because once again like a um when you ask your A's, everybody is convinced that they have to do outbound every week. And they tell you, yeah, 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 yeah. My, Thursday, my Thursday morning is dedicated to outbound. And then you trust them. And, and, and sometimes they do it, and sometimes they want to do it, like the will is there, but then they receive a phone call or they schedule a meeting. Yeah, you have to block some time and to dedicate it to pipeline creation. I think that's... Uh... I think that's a good advice for 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 ending this podcast. Thank you so much, Florent, for doing all this. Um, If there is like a call to action that you would like to do via this platform to our listeners, you know, maybe there are some people that want to join Swan. Maybe there's some people that want to implement Swan. Like, where would you? So yeah, yeah. I think that if I had one call, it would be uh, we we keep recruiting. Uh, I currently have in my team four open roles, and there are more uh, at Swan. Uh, I recruit a head of sales for Southern Europe. I recruit uh, an account executive to develop the Italian market from Milano. We are recruiting two SDRs, uh, one based in Amsterdam and another one based in Berlin. So if you ever listen to this and are keen to help us, uh, come, uh, apply. Everything is available on a website called Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, and, and you can find our job offers there. Uh, otherwise, I think you can just go on swan.io and find a link to this website. Uh, I think we are, yeah. Uh, Excellent. If, if you'd Excellent. like to to contribute to this uh, pretty nice uh, endeavor, I think it's the right time. They know they know where to go now. Awesome. Well, to sum it all up, if there is one last title you would like to leave our listeners with, what would it be? If, if there is one? One last thought based on everything that we said that you want to leave our listeners with. What would that be? Uh, I'm going back to this motto, my, my mantra of uh, like a time has come for 
for Europe to build its own tech giants. Uh, Let's so, go. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean it. Like, uh, uh, there are still plenty of opportunities, and we should we should be proud of what we do, and we should. It's quite some hard work, uh, but but we 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 like a. Uh, we're the generation who should be doing it, so let's do it. I like that. So if there are other people coming from the fintech field or want to, let's go. Level up a gear. Let's go. <laughs> I love that. Cool. Thank you, Florent. Bye-bye. Uh, wish you nothing but the best. I'll see you next time. That's it. We've once again reached the end of an episode. I just really appreciate you all spending the time. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And until next week with a fresh new episode.